Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Genesis chapter 31. This is a very long chapter, so we'll have to get right into it. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. The actual word here, translated by the ESV as wealth, is kavod, and it is normally translated as glory. The sons of Laban are really saying that Jacob has taken away our father's glory. Before Jacob came, our father was the big man in the region, the blessed man, the important man, the wealthy man. But now all of that has been transferred to Jacob. Jacob is the great man now, despite Laban's efforts to cheat him and to diminish him. There's a lesson in there for us. God promotes whom he will. You don't need to cheat, steal, and scheme. Seek not great things for yourself. Seek the Lord and let him be the one who gives you wealth, substance, significance, and glory. Let the Lord give you whatever he wants you to have. Now, that's not a call for you to be lazy. Jacob was a hard worker. Jacob was a man of action. It's a call for you to understand that God makes men and women what they are. John the Baptist understood this very well. He said in John 3, 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. That's the point here. God makes people who they are. So don't scheme, don't deceive, don't cheat. Work hard and seek the Lord and receive from his hand whatever he sees fit to give you. Verse 2 goes on to say, And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. For the sake of time, just notice this. As the Lord promotes you, other people will resent you. It's just the way it is. Don't fight it. Just move on and keep in step with the Spirit. Here the Lord reminds Jacob that it is time to be heading back to the promised land in any case. Verse 4 says, So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, The spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. 
Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. It is interesting to note, and I think worth noting, the means by which Jacob discerns God's will. He took note of his circumstances. We talked about that already. He was aware that he was arousing jealousy and hostility from among Laban's sons. He also took counsel with his wives. Now, forget for a second the S on the end of that word, and you have an example that we should all be careful to follow. And then then lastly, he considers a dream that he had in which God told him to go home. So he took note of circumstances. He consulted family. And he was sensitive to the promptings of the Lord. That's a good example of Old Testament guidance. Now, in the New Testament era, we have even more help than that. We have the completed scriptures. We have the sure and firm foundation of the prophets and apostles with Christ as cornerstone. So we are way better off than Brother Jacob. But still, we would want to say, after you read the Bible, and after you see what God's Word says, then... Pay attention to your circumstances, consult with your family members, and be sensitive to the promptings of the Lord. Verse 17 says, So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paden Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household goods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had, and rose and crossed the Euphrates, and set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. Now, remember that Jacob didn't need to deceive. God was blessing him. But there is still a lot of Jacob left in Jacob. He is a deceiver by name and nature, and there is remaining sin in this growing and changing brother. Now, as for why Rachel stole her father's idols, we can't say for sure. Some scholars claim that in that culture, possession of the household idols strengthened a person's claim on the overall inheritance. And given what Rachel said earlier in the chapter, that is probably it. Verse 22 says, When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Again, notice that Jacob didn't need to scheme. God was in this. And God was acting as his rear guard. Jacob should have handled this in a more straightforward manner. Verse 25 says, 
And Laban overtook Jacob. Now, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country. And Laban, with his kinsmen, pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? Why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you've done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you've gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all around the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. Now, the fact that Rachel is sitting on her father's household idols while claiming that she is having her period strengthens the belief that this was not about religion for Rachel. It was about strengthening her claim to her father's property. The JPS Hebrew commentary puts it this way, Rachel doing this, sitting on the idols, implies an attitude of willful defilement and contemptuous rejection of the idea that Laban's cult objects had any religious worth, closed quote. The story continues in verse 36. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it. Whether stolen by day or stolen by night, there I was. By day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you've changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands, and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. 
So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jager Sadhadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Galid and Mizpah. For he said, The Lord watched between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Now, it's interesting here that the whole idea of making a covenant of peace comes from Laban. Derek Kidner says about this, God's ability to bring Laban to the point of proposing it was an object lesson to Jacob and remains so. In favor of faith against panic and of open dealing against scheming in handling a difficult relationship. Laban was unchanged. But this time, Jacob was not leaving behind him a brother offended, closed quote. That's a good word. Again, Jacob didn't need to deceive or scheme. God was with him. God was blessing him. And he should have trusted in that. God is teaching Jacob. He is restoring him to the image and likeness of God. You see, God doesn't just choose. God doesn't just save. He teaches. He transforms. He changes and he restores. Thanks be to God. The story concludes. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness. And the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Thus ends the sojourn of Jacob in Paden Aram. God has used his father-in-law to reform his character Jacob must have seen in Laban a picture of his future self apart from the grace and mercy of God. His time in Laban's house under Laban's hand has changed him. He is not the man he once was. He is becoming the man God has called him to be. He has graduated from the school of affliction, but he has a few postgraduate courses still to come. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you've appreciated the Into the Word ministry, I'd like to personally invite you to pay it forward by supporting one of our preferred mission partners. For the remainder of this year, we are highlighting the church planting ministry Mile One in St. John's, Newfoundland. Newfoundland is classified as an unreached population, with less than 2% of people identifying as evangelicals. Mile One Ministries is committed to helping healthy churches plant other Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches. Here at End of the Word, I only promote ministries that I have firsthand on-the-ground experience with. Mile One is bearing fruit and is being led and stewarded by people that I know and trust. 
If you'd like to make a contribution to this important ministry, you can do that by visiting the Into the Word website at intotheword.ca. There are giving options there under the Give tab for both Canadian and American listeners. International listeners are welcome to give as well, though their gifts may not qualify for charitable receipts in their nation. Thank you for considering this method of showing your support for the End of the Word program. And may God alone be glorified. Your word is a lamp unto my feet.